Well, we'll be turning to Deuteronomy 17 in a moment and reading from verse 2. But a couple of small points. Here's an interesting thing. Young girls uh, in Saudi Arabia. A court in Saudi Arabia is reported to be preparing a to hear a plea for divorce from an eight-year-old girl who has been married off to a man in his 50s. The Saudi newspaper Al-Watan said the girl had been married off to the man by her father without her knowledge. The girl's mother is thought to be pushing for the marriage to be annulled, though the father opposes the move. It's unbelievable that in this Muslim world where they're supposed to be so moral that they're marrying off kids of eight year old to old men. The women's position in Islam is not very good. And meanwhile, the pro-Sharia law, Rowan Williams and his church, is apologising to Charles Darwin. The Church of England will concede in a statement that it was over-defensive and over-emotional in dismissing Darwin's ideas. It will call anti-evolutionary fervour an indictment on the Church. <clears throat> the bold move is certain to dismay sections of the church that believe in creationism and regard Darwin's views as directly opposed to traditional Christian teaching. The apology, which has been written by the Reverend Dr. Malcolm Brown, the church's director of mission, <laughs> I wonder what kind of mission this guy has, and public affairs, it's a funny combination, mission and public affairs, says that Christians in their response to Darwin's theory of national selection repeated the mistakes they made in doubting Galileo's astronomy in the 17th century. It wasn't the church, the body of Christ, who complained about Galileo. It was the Roman Catholic Church, but they lump it all together. The statement will read, and here's what it says, Charles Darwin... 200 years from your birth, the Church of England owes you an apology for misunderstanding you and, by getting our first reaction wrong, encouraging others to misunderstand you still. We try to practice the old virtues of faith-seeking understanding and hope that makes some amends. Unbelievable. It's written to Charles Darwin. Opposition to evolutionary theories is still a litmus test of faithfulness for some Christian movements, the Church will admit. It will say that such attitudes owe much to a fear of perceived threats to Christianity. The comments are included on a Church of England website promoting the views of Charles Darwin, and that was in the Daily Telegraph on the 14th of September 2008 talking to Charles Darwin as if he was alive. It smacks to me of necromancy. And there we are. So, let's read Deuteronomy chapter 2 and uh, chapter 17 verse 2. If there be found among you within any of thy gates which the Lord thy God giveth thee, man or woman, that hath wrought wickedness in the sight of the Lord thy God 
in transgressing his covenant in transgressing his covenant and hath done gone and served other gods and worshipped them either the sun or moon or any of the host of heaven which I have not commanded and if it be told thee and thou hast heard of it and inquired diligently and behold it be true and the thing certain that such abomination is wrought in Israel then shalt thou bring forth that man or that woman which have committed that wicked thing unto thy gates even the man or that woman and shall stone them with stones till they die at the mouth of two witnesses or three witnesses shall he that is worthy of death be put to death but at the mouth of one witness he shall not be put to death the hands of the witnesses shall be first upon him to put him to death and afterward the hands of all the people so thou shalt put the evil away from among you if there arise a matter too hard for thee in judgment between blood and blood between plea and plea and between stroke and stroke being matters of controversy within thy gates then shalt thou arise and get thee up into the place which the Lord thy God shall choose and there shall come unto the priests the Levites and unto the judge that shall be in those days and inquire and they shall show thee the sentence of judgment and they shall do according to the sentence which they of that place which the Lord shall choose shall show thee and thou shalt observe to do according to all that they inform thee according to the sentence of the law which they shall teach thee and according to the judgment which they shall tell thee thou shalt do thou shalt not decline from the sentence which shall which they shall show thee to the right nor to the left and the man that will do presumptuously and will not hearken unto the priest that standeth to minister there before the Lord thy God or unto the judge even that man shall die and thou shalt put away the evil from Israel and all the people shall hear and fear and do no more presumptuously I found this passage really quite frightening as we look at it here today the events in these verses were really rules further rules uh, in showing the legal system which was to be brought into action when the people moved into the promised land and the reason why they were brought in 
is explained in a couple of places here it is that the evil would be taken away out of Israel put away the evil from among you and also in verse 12 we have it again and thou shalt put away the evil from Israel as I said I find these passages quite frightening but they are there and we can learn something of the holiness of God that he required of his chosen people a jealous God that cannot look upon sin God is holy and he requires us to be holy a jealous God I am a jealous God God says this was in the age of the law we are now in the age of grace but God has not changed God cannot change Malachi 3.6 I am the Lord I change not God doesn't change the way he acts in relation to man may change but his very nature never changes he deals with man in grace but the responsibility is still on man he must obey a holy God he must remember that he is coming before a holy God and so in this chapter we have two examples where a person proven to be guilty and shown to be guilty by the testimony of two or three witnesses if he is found guilty is guilty of a sin against God and the judgment is death let's look at the first case basically it was that the accused it says in verse 2 he hath wrought wickedness in the sight of the Lord thy God in transgressing his covenant that was the mistake oh there were various ways in which he had transgressed that covenant but he had transgressed the covenant which God had made God had made a covenant with Israel and he had said and it is repeated throughout the Old Testament that he this covenant was like a marriage covenant and that's how it is typified in a lot of passages in scripture Isaiah 54 verse 5 for thy maker it says is thine husband the Lord of hosts is his name and thy redeemer the holy one of Israel the God of the whole earth shall he be called thy maker is thine husband God was the husband of Israel Jeremiah 3.14 Turn, O backsliding children, saith the Lord, for I am married unto you. The covenant that they, God had made with, with Israel was in type a marriage covenant. Jeremiah 3.20 Surely as a wife treacherously departed from her husband, so have ye dealt treacherously with me, O house of Israel, saith the Lord. 
and in Je- Jeremiah 31, 32, and could go on with a lot of these, I was as an husband unto them, saith the Lord. And so we have this covenant which God had made with Israel broken. And he, uh, he has shown this as a marriage covenant. Look at Ezekiel uh, chapter 23. We have here a passage about two sisters. They were Ahola and Aholaba. And it gives a description of both these sisters. And one, the first one that is dealt with, Ahola, was given a type of Samaria. Samaria who had doted on the Assyrians and if you read through that passage you'd see that God had clothed them and looked after them but they had gone astray they had become whoremongers they'd gone after the Assyrians and God said that he would destroy them and then her sister is typified as being Judah and she was more corrupt than her sister they had broken away and they had become harlots in God's eyes and verse 23 verse 9 of chapter 23 he says of the first girl wherefore I have delivered her into the hands of her lovers into the hands of the Assyrians whom upon whom she doted and if you go back to 2nd Kings chapter 17 you'll see what happened to Second Kings chapter 17 and verse 15. It says they rejected his statutes and his covenants that he made with their fathers and his testimonies which he testified against them. And they followed vanity and became vain and went after the heathen that were round about them. Concerning whom the Lord had charged them that they should not do like them. And they left all the commandments of the Lord their God and made them golden images and all the rest, molten images and all the rest, until the Lord removed, in verse 23, Israel out of his sight. He allowed them to be taken captive and out of Samaria. And we know that the same thing happened again with Israel. They were taken captive into Babylon. They broke the covenant which God had made with them, which was typified as a marriage covenant. And if you look at Ezekiel 16, we have the same thing all over again. God is pointing out all that he did uh, for these, his chosen people. He said... When I pass, verse 6 when I passed by thee and saw thy, thee polluted in thine own blood I said unto thee when thou wast in thy blood live 
Yea, I said unto thee, when thou wast in thy blood, live. I have caused thee to multiply as the bud in the field, and thou hast increased and waxen great, and thou art come to excellent ornaments. Thy breasts are fashioned, and thine hair is grown, whereas thou wast naked and bare. And all the, the way he, he, he looked after these people. But then they went astray. They left him. Read chapter 16. And you'll see that the judgment of God then comes about. And he says in verse 40. They shall also bring up a company against thee. And they shall... stone thee with stones and thrust thee through with their swords and they shall burn thine house with fire and execute judgment upon thee in the sight of many women and I will cause thee to cease from playing the harlot and thou shalt give no hire any more over and over again we have examples as God is speaking to his beloved people but they have gone astray they have become harlots and he says judgment is coming and so, going back to Deuteronomy chapter 17 and verse 3, we see exactly what had happened. They had gone and served other gods and worshipped them. And what was to happen? They were to inquire as to whether what had taken place was true or not. Ezekiel 16.40 was the punishment for the nation. They were going to be allowed to be taken into captivity. Why? Why? Why was this all to happen? Because the covenant had been broken and God wanted a pure people. They wanted a pure holy people. But the people had left their husband to go a whoring after strange gods you know we look around Christendom today we look around various churches we're reminded of Revelation chapter 18 this world system which will come in this world religious system to which God warns us in Revelation chapter 18 Babylon the Great who has gone a whoring after all the princes of the earth look at what it says for all the nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication and the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her and the merchants of the earth are waxed rich through the abundance of her delicacies and I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people. Oh, the churches are all heading for this disaster, for this one world church system. And God says today to his beloved people, those who are Christians, to come out from amongst these people who are prepared to commit fornication, spiritual fornication with other churches. Come out from amongst them and leave them. But still, like Israel of old, 
God required us to be pure. The churches of today are losing their sense of discernment. And Christians individually, we want to be terribly sure that we are not losing our spiritual discernment. Down through the pages of the Old Testament, and the corridors of time we see again and again the prophets sent by God to warn Israel. Oh, he said by, the, by two or three witnesses, if you go through all the prophets, they warned Israel again and again to be separate from those around. But Israel did not heed the warning. The prophets had witnessed to the truth, but it went unnoticed and ignored and judgment came and surely and as surely as it happened in those days each of us must be pure we must walk in the truth otherwise God will judge us individually and as a church the churches of Christendom who walk after the Babylonian system will also find that judgment will surely come as it is so vividly prophesied in Revelation chapter 18. You know, about stoning, these people in Deuteronomy who were found to be guilty of breaking this covenant with God were to be stoned. I read a description I read a description the other day of how stoning took place or uh, how uh, the author thought it took place and it didn't make for pleasant reading the first stone cast was not just a, a hand sized stone but an extremely heavy stone uh, he said the witnesses lifted up a stone which lay there the weight of two men and one cast it with all his strength upon the victim and then if that did not kill the victim, then all Israel stoned him. Why stone him? Strange, isn't it? And not by a sword or by any other means, beheading her as the Muslims do. One thought is that the law of God had been written in stone by the finger of God. Therefore it was fitting in some way that stone symbolizing the law which had been broken were used as a very real illustration of the broken law of God. We're also aware that Christ is referred to as a stone. 1 Peter 2 verse 6 Wherefore also it is contained in the scripture Behold I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone elect precious and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Unto you therefore which believe he is precious but unto them which are disobedient the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner, and a stone of stumbling, and a rock of offence, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. You know, we hear a lot these days of preaching which is non-confrontational. I looked at the website for Christianity Explored, and there are questions for those thinking about starting the course. One of the questions was, is it churchy? And it said, we hope not. It's not a church service. There's no praying. And 
you won't be asked to read uh, aloud and so on and then the thing it said am I going to get preached at each evening includes a talk or DVD designed to explain an aspect of Christian belief and to stimulate discussion hopefully you'll find it challenging and amusing in other words it is guaranteed to be non-offensive but look at the words of Jesus following the parable of the vineyard Matthew 21:42. the stone the stone which the builders rejected the same has become the head of the corner this is the Lord's doing and it is marvelous in our eyes therefore I say unto you the kingdom of God shall be taken from you and given to a nation bringing forth the fruits thereof listen to this and whosoever shall fall on this stone shall be broken but on whomsoever it shall fall it will grind him to powder to those who trust in Christ he, Peter says he's the chief cornerstone he's precious but to those who reject him and his offer of salvation he someday will fall heavily upon them now it's interesting too that as we look at this passage in Deuteronomy that it says it's at the hand of two or three witnesses and you know that principle of two or three witnesses is goes right through scripture the principle that the law executed must be just it wasn't just the whim of one person there had to be two or three witnesses who avowed to a particular crime before judgment could take place and that's why God sent his prophets that's why God increased that many many times in the, in, this, in, the, in relation to Israel look at all the prophets he sent time and time again in the, the parable of the, 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 the vineyard that Jesus told he said that they, they sent various people to those in charge of the vineyard to get the vineyard back and eventually they killed the son of the, the vineyard owner God sent his prophets to warn Israel But you know, God did not just only want Israel, his chosen people, to be pure. God wants his church, the bride of Christ, to be pure. As Israel was the wife of Jehovah, we know that the church is the bride of Christ. And he desires his bride as it says in Colossians 1.10 to walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God he wants his people he wants you and me to walk worthy of him he wants us to be an example an example to other believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. He wants us to be as a chaste virgin. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 11 verse 2. He wants us to be pure. He wants to be able to present us to his father. It says in Jude. Jude verse 24. 
Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Uh, go to Colossians. Colossians. Uh, Colossians 1 and verse 22. Uh, go back to verse 21 and you that were sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy unblameable and unreprovable in his sight we of ourselves cannot present ourselves blameless and un. Uh, and, and holy in the sight of God but Jesus Christ through his death through his righteousness which we receive the, we, we, we're clothed in his righteousness why? because he wants us to be a pure church and he wants us to be presented to himself and to his father in heaven blameless through the righteousness we have in Christ Jesus now unto him who is able to keep you from falling unto him who is able to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy we, he wants us he wants us there because he wants to present us with joy to his father in heaven and you know this same principle this same principle of uh, two or three witnesses still follows right through into the New Testament. Let's look at Matthew chapter 18. And verse 14. Matthew 18 and verse 14. Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. But if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word shall be established and if he shall neglect to hear them tell it unto the church but he may neglect to hear the church let him be unto thee as an heathen man and a publican a publican the Lord wishes in his church to have harmony he'd like that church to have a, a, an attitude of harmony to prevail and so he has laid down regulations as he did for his chosen people when they moved into the land of Israel uh, into the promised land so we in our assemblies and churches and fellowships he has laid down ground rules as to how that harmony shall be maintained 
there will be occasions when those failing to live up to God's standards will have to be disciplined in love in love however sadly man's efforts at reconciliation may not always be accepted and the example Jesus gives here in Matthew 14 he says you first of all go along to the person that you're having difficulty with and try and sort it all out on a one to one basis but if that doesn't work then you go and you get two or three witnesses and you go along and try and sort it all out but if that doesn't work well what happens you're back to the situation which we have in Deuteronomy chapter 17 and verses 8 to 12 it's too difficult to sort out so they would bring it to the priest or to the judge who was judging Israel at that particular time bring it to the, 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 the various judges that's why we have the book of Judges because there were, there were judges appointed who ruled Israel and you either brought it to the Levites uh, uh, and unto the judge that shall be in those days and let them try and sort this problem out and it was too difficult for the local people to sort they were to go to the Levites to judge and it says those who minister before the Lord those who minister before the Lord so in theory they were bringing it to the Lord because these men had been appointed by God and then if the person that they had brought before the judge and the Levites was too conceited and will do presumptuously and will not hearken unto the priest that standeth to minister there before the Lord thy God or unto the judge even that man shall die and thou shalt put away evil from Israel that was the whole point of all these things that the covenant had been broken and God wanted a pure people who kept his covenant and so we go to back to Matthew 18 the situation which Jesus was given he goes on and if he shall neglect to hear tell it unto the church but if he neglect to hear the church let him be unto thee as an heathen man and as a publican and what did Paul say in situations like this Romans 16, 7, 8 now I beseech you brethren mark them which cause division and offences contrary to the doctrines which ye have learned and avoid them we avoid people like that the object is the same as in the Old Testament to maintain the purity of the fellowship of the assembly of the local church and to maintain a good 
example to those outside the church. There is never a higher authority for those within the local church to appeal to other than the elders within that local assembly. You're bringing it to the leaders, the God-given leaders of the local assembly. Today, in churches, we see synods appealing to acts of parliaments and rules and regulations made by man. The church and the world have blended together. But we cannot bring our problems before mankind. The only place we can receive the justice as the God-given justice is by bringing it to the leaders within the local church. For us as Christians within any fellowship of believers meeting together in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ in the place where God has chosen to place his name we have no higher court. For any who disregard this God-given authority we have the authority of our Saviour as to how we should act. They are to be treated as a heathen man and as a publican. And that's it. But before, before anyone should act in judgment, we should read Matthew 18 very carefully. The background to this whole bit about one brother sinning against another. Before, we should read this a very delicate situation. Look at what Jesus was talking about. Humbling oneself as a little child. Except you be converted and become as little children, you shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself, as is this little child, the same is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. That's the first attitude of mind and spirit which anyone should have before they approach any difficult problem. A spirit of humility. A spirit of childlikeness. And then, but whoso shall offend one of the little ones? Who shall offend one of the little ones? Which believe in me, it were better for him that a, main, a millstone were hanged about his neck and that he were drowned in the depth of the sea. Now, in the sense of the local church or assembly the little ones not the children the little ones in faith those who are weak in the faith we have to have a particular regard to those who are weak in the faith so we have to have a humble attitude of heart and mind we have to have that desire to nurture and care for the little ones. And we have to have that attitude. Those who are least in the church should be those who 
are regarded as the greatest in matters such as this. Those whom we regard perhaps with esteem within an assembly are not always the ones which God would choose to be the judges. 1 Corinthians 6 verse 4 it says if there then ye have judgment of things pertaining to this life give them to the most important person in the local church no set them to judge who are the least esteemed in the church that's turning things upside down isn't it that's the way we are to approach these situations where we need wisdom our desire should not be to judge harshly but look at verse 10 take heed that ye despise not one of the little ones for I say unto you that in heaven their angels do always behold the face of my father which is in heaven for the son of man is come to save that which was lost and he says about the sheep a hundred sheep and one of them has gone astray that should be the desire of each of us if ever the situation should arise to save the one that has gone astray so we have to have the simplicity of a child as we face the problem we have to have a humble spirit we have to uh, put those in judgment those who are least esteemed we have to nurture and care for the little ones and the object of any such action should be to save the one that has gone astray quite a lot for us to do and think about before we come to a final decision it's been an interesting few verses this it was harsh judgment in the Old Testament thank God we live in the age of grace but God hasn't changed God still desires purity and holiness in his local church May God help us to do, to act and to live lives in accordance with those principles set out so clearly by Jesus in Matthew chapter 18.